and welcome to my podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about drag shows because there seems to be a lot of um, concern, a lot of hullabaloo going on with um, drag shows and drag performers. So I feel like I should devote an episode to just talk about what is really happening. I think the first thing I'd like to say about drag is that it is a form of entertainment. It's not burlesque, like some people seem to believe that it is. It is like any other type of entertainment. I mean, with burlesque, there would be stripping involved. But with uh, with the drag shows, that's that's not happening because if they decided to take off all their clothes, um, you would see that they are not who they are pretending to be, right? So it's definitely not burlesque. These are just men and women who are impersonating the opposite sex and they're taking it to the extreme. They are being, uh, I guess you could say, uh, caricatures of the opposite sex. And sometimes they do songs. Sometimes they're dancing. Uh, there is comedy involved. There's audience participation. And, you know, it's usually a, a lot of fun. It's like going to see any other kind of live show that, you know, that you might enjoy. Um, like if you went to see an opera, right? Or you went to see uh, a play or you went to see a stand-up comedy routine, I have to say that when you go to see a drag show, there's going to be some raunchy humor, okay? There's going to be some things mentioned that, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're not ready for. But that is something you should know going in. It's as if uh, you went to see any stand-up performance by a comedian like Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle, Cat Williams, you're going to hear cursing. You're going to hear sexual uh, references, maybe some stories. You know, it's going to be explicit for sure. But you know that going in, uh, usually there there will be an advisory posted before the performance or when you purchase your tickets to go and see the performance, because obviously, you know, you're not going to take um, a five-year-old to hear some of the things that are going to be coming out of the mouth of these performers. For example, I just want to say, as far as the advisories go, if you went to see Gabriel Iglesias, who is also known as Fluffy, um, you would note that nobody under the age of 16 is allowed to go and see his show. It's because of some of the stories he's going to tell. You know, it's because of the language he's going to use. That's just That's just part of it. You have to know that. So, I mean, you know, I just don't understand what the big uproar is about these drag shows, particularly right now. I mean, they've been around for quite a while. Why right now? I don't know if it's because most of the performers are gay. And um, I would hope that that would not be the case. But um, I feel like it is the case. And I think it's really shameful. And I can't imagine why this would be happening at this time in history. I can't imagine people are so close-minded. The prejudice is just like right out there, you know, right out there in the open. You know what I mean? I think it's ridiculous the way some legislators are uh, demonizing and vilifying drag performers, especially since um, people have been dressing like the opposite sex for centuries. 
it's really nothing new. Women have dressed as men to join religious orders, to gain education, to become apprentices. Um, And in some religious sects, you know, there are ceremonies where men would have to dress as women. Um, I know that's true in some Native American tribes. That happens in some, uh, some of their ceremonies. And as far as the theater goes, in ancient Greece, uh, men had to portray women in plays because women were not allowed to be part of the theater. And that went all the way up to um, the time of Shakespeare. Obviously, if anybody knows anything about Shakespeare, you would know that, you know, that this was happening, that the women roles were played by men. And also, just to regress a little bit, I just want to talk about talking about women dressing as men in the ancient world. The first female pharaoh of Egypt, Hatshepsut, okay, she was a woman and she dressed like a man so that she would be accepted as a pharaoh in Egypt. She built a lot of temples and um, she was revered by her people at the time. She wore a fake beard and she also dressed as a male pharaoh would dress. And that's probably one of the first known cross-dressing women of ancient times. And she was very successful because that's what she had to do in order to lead uh, her country. And that concludes my ancient history lesson for this episode. Now I'd like to talk about how the term drag even came into existence. So some say it was an acronym in the theater world, which meant dress as a girl. Others say it was from a men complaining that their heavy gowns were dragging across the stage when they performed, when they were dressed up as women. But I don't think we'll ever really know for sure. I don't think we'll ever really get that resolved. As far as drag queens go, I would say back in the 18, around the 1880s, there was a former slave who used to throw drag balls in Washington, D.C. His name was William Dorsey Swan, and he considered himself to be the first queen of drag. And he was also probably one of the first gay rights activists because um, he did let it be known Um, When they were trying to arrest him, he was arrested several times that, you know, he was standing up for who he was as a gay man. But I would say that when we're talking about female impersonators, that kind of really took off during the vaudeville years. Vaudeville really came around in the early 20th century. Vaudeville was a live old time variety show which there aren't many these days of all-time variety shows where they have a bit of everything included in there. Um, They have uh, comedy skits. They would have dramatic readings, maybe poems. There would be dancing and singing, um, animal acts, everything. But it was live, and that was basically their entertainment. Of course, when um, the film industry started, you know, vaudeville kind of started to die down. Uh, One of the most popular female impersonators during the time of vaudeville was Julian Eltinge. And he was not only in vaudeville, but he starred in several musicals on Broadway. And he even did some films. And actually, he was the highest paid actor of his time, which was in the early 1900s. Another contemporary drag performer 
of his was a guy called uh, Bert Savoy. He was a lot more campier and trashier than his contemporary. And some say that uh, he was the inspiration for Mae West and her kind of raunchy style. Eventually, when Prohibition hit, you know, nightclubbing and everything went underground, and so did drag performances. And then it really didn't start to emerge back into the mainstream, I would say, until the mid-1970s when Tim Curry did his performance as Frank and Furter in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is still playing today, by the way. So thanks to John Waters uh, and his films, we were introduced to Divine. I remember going to see Hairspray and Polyester, two of his films in the movie theater. And they were, at the time for me, they were mind blowing, you know. At that point, though, Divine was already becoming tame. I mean, if you've seen um, some of the other John Water, his earlier movies, Pink Flamingos. Uh, another picture of his was uh, Female Trouble and uh, Divine was in those movies and she was, yeah, she was, she was a bad girl. She was a very bad girl. Also, you know, I just want to state that Divine was just a character and uh, she was played by Glenn Milstead. I guess you could say that Divine was like his alter ego. I mean, if you saw Glenn Milstead on the street, he wasn't dressed in drag. He wasn't dressed as Divine. He was just himself. And a little tidbit about um, about Divine is that the Disney character of Ursula in Little Mermaid was actually based on her. And if you saw pictures of what she looked like, actually, you would definitely see the resemblance there. So Ursula is actually cartoon version of Divine. I think that's groundbreaking for Disney and I think they should be applauded for that. So nowadays, I guess if you were to say drag queen, you would immediately think of RuPaul. Um, he probably is one of the most famous drag queens of our time. I mean, just say RuPaul and you're going to think of a big blonde wig, a wily smile and a lot of campiness. And, you know, I would say that probably he has done more for the art of drag than anyone else I can think of currently. He really put it into the mainstream and he really made it part of popular culture. His show, Drag Race, is a top rated show. It has been top rated since 2009. Also, there are so many other countries that do their own version of his drag race show. There's about 15 other countries, and some of them are like Thailand, Sweden, Belgium, Brazil, of course, United Kingdom, Australia. I'm not going to name them all, but yeah, they are all doing their own versions of drag race. Also, his show, there have been spinoffs of it. Um, like uh, Drag Race All-Stars and RuPaul's Celebrity Drag Race. I mean, he alone has done um, so much to put these drag performers out there and bring them into our homes and bring them into the spotlight and make them part of popular culture. So right now, I want to just look at um, some actors who have dressed in drag as part of their performances. Um, the first one that comes to mind is Milton Berle. And he was a comedian from the early days of television who would often dress as a woman um, for, you know, some of his skits, the skits that he did on his show. And, you know, his show, there weren't that many shows on TV at that time. There was no censorship. So everything had to be family oriented. And um, he was 
you know, on his show and dressing in drag as drag characters. And he was also known to the public as Uncle Milty. So, I mean, Uncle Milty was um, dressing in drag. He was one of the first that I can think of as far as television performances. Um, also, um, the 70s, there was uh, Flip Wilson. Now, if you don't know who Flip Wilson was, he was a black comedian, very popular during the 70s. He had his own variety show, The Flip Wilson Show. And on that show, he would sometimes play a character called Geraldine, um, who was, you know, a church lady. And her tagline was always, oh, the devil made me do it, you know? And she was very popular. Oh, everybody wanted to see him do Geraldine. Then there was uh, Martin Lawrence on his show, Martin. He did um, his neighbor, Shanene, who was a woman, right? Um, and she was really funny. Everybody loves Shanene. Dustin Hoffman was Dorothy and Tootsie. Robin Williams was uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. And of course, most recently, you have Tyler Perry, right, who was dressed as uh, Medea and has been very successful at it. He started out doing plays where he was dressed as Medea, you know, and then he moved his Medea character into films and he has been extremely successful as, uh, you know, a man dressing in drag and being pretty raunchy. I have to say, if you've seen any of the Medea movies, you would know that. And also, I don't want to forget um, Julie Andrews, who played um, in the movie Victor Victoria. I mean, people forget about that movie, but it was really a funny movie. And she played a woman who was down on her luck. And she um, meets up promoter and he tells her to dress as a man who is also trying to come across as a woman. So she is dressing as a man trying to be an, a man in drag. It's a funny movie. So if you get a chance, you, you should definitely um, check it out. You know, it's really amazing how many more TV shows and films there are that showcase gender bending. I mean, I could make a really, really long list, but I'm only going to mention two more examples. The first is Some Like It Hot, that classic film with Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon and Marilyn Monroe. And of course, there's that 80s sitcom Bosom Buddies, which starred uh, Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari as two guys who have to dress in drag in order to rent an apartment in an all-woman complex. And I don't want to forget to mention a few Broadway plays that also showcase drag, which were Torch Song Trilogy, Kinky Boots, and of course, La Caja Fall. I think it's pretty safe to say that drag was and is accepted as part of popular culture and entertainment. At this point, I just don't understand why drag is being portrayed as something scary. And, you know, what's ironic is that I have never heard of any drag performer showing up anywhere with an AR-15 and shooting up people, you know. Uh, I don't know of any clandestine operation to indoctrinate children into drag queens or turn them gay, which, you know, I mean, you can't turn someone gay, you know, they're just born gay. You know, I just don't understand the mentality of the people who are trying to pass these laws to prohibit drag performances, you know, and um, really hurt these people who are entertainers. Let me just say that there is at this moment a movement by several states to try and ban drag performances 
by saying that it's detrimental to children. And I don't understand this off-kilter thinking. I don't understand how a drag queen reading a story to children can be hurtful. It's true that, uh, like I said, that when, you know, you go see a drag show, that they can be raunchy. But when drag performers are in front of children, when there's children involved, it is always toned down. It is always age appropriate. They are not looking to influence children. They are not looking to groom children. They're there to um, entertain. And that is their sole purpose. And anybody that misconstrues that into something else is um, not thinking clearly, in my opinion. Actually, I think the presence of drag queens and kings, for that matter, might just help a child um, with acceptance and tolerance. It might help them to realize that being different can be a good thing and that we should, you know, be able to live in a world where we can feel free to be who we are without fear. I think what it really boils down to is prejudice, you know, really, that's what it all comes down to. I think these types of restrictions can be just like a testing of the waters to see how much lawmakers are going to be able to get away with, you know? I mean, if they succeed in banning drag shows, who knows what other bans they can try and impose on people under the guise of protecting children or protecting the public. So the state of Tennessee did actually pass a law against drag shows performed in public or in the presence of minors. And the language in this law and in most of the proposed bills that are being introduced into state legislatures use a language that states male or female impersonators or an artist who is displaying a gender identity that is different from the performer's gender assigned at birth. Um, They state drag shows are adult cabaret and put them in the same category as burlesque, which I already explained. Drag shows are not burlesque. I know that they can be, like I said, explicit, but they are not burlesque. So the following states are introducing bills into uh, their state legislatures. And I'm going to tell you, it's pretty scary out there. So the following are the states that are doing this. Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, Kansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Texas, and uh, West Virginia. Now, I can't say if Florida is doing that. They might be. I'm not really sure about that, so I'm not going to say it. But I think it's very important that everybody knows what's really happening around the country because it really might affect you right where you live. And, you know, I just feel like we seem to be sliding backwards in this country when it comes to individual rights. I don't have to tell you, I'm sure everybody is aware that there are several states right now that are dictating what rights a woman has, you know, making decisions for her own body. And now there are states that want to filter artistic expression. So, um, you know, I just don't know what what's coming next. And I think everybody needs to be aware of what's happening. Here's the ironic part is that many of these politicians who are trying to ban drag and drag performances really also enjoy it, right? So, uh, for example, you have the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, who just signed this law 
he was found to be dressed as a cheerleader in a photo. Um, Congressman George Santos of New York, which, of course, we all know he's already in a shitload of trouble, right? Um, he was found in a photo, beautifully dressed as a woman. Also dressed in drag was the Florida Secretary of State, Michael Ertel, and the mayor of Kennesaw, Georgia, Derek Easterling. And of course, there is uh, the video of Rudy Giuliani dressed in drag, um, along with Donald Trump. Well, he wasn't dressed in drag, but he's trying to get Donald Trump to smell his perfume. And it's a whole routine. And it's on YouTube for everyone to see. Everyone, you know. So that's just some examples of politicians, you know, wanting to dress up as women. Okay. Yet they want to, you know, they want to censor. They want to censor it. Um, and believe me, there's plenty more politicians I could mention. I'm, I'm just, I just can't mention every single one of them. I just can't. Yeah, I just don't know what the real story is going on here. I think everybody who is concerned with their individual rights, you know, should really be sitting up and taking notice of what's happening. I think if politicians are really concerned about the welfare of children, there are certainly plenty of other things they can be doing. Uh, like increasing funding for education, um, especially for underserved communities. How about increasing social programs in those communities or making sure middle and lower class children get the health care they need? You know, how about making sure food programs continue in schools even when the school is not in session? Or here's another great suggestion how about banning assault rifles so children and adults don't have to lose their lives? I mean, these politicians are really talking out of both sides of their mouths. You know what I mean? Um, like, for example, the governor of South Dakota, she was at, the, uh, I guess, an NRA event, and she's boasting about how her two-year-old grandchild has several guns and has already shot a rifle. So, I mean, on the one hand, you know, these politicians are concerned about the welfare of children, and yet they're, uh, they have no problem putting guns into their hands. You know, maybe enacting some laws about that might be more beneficial to children. After all, let's, let's just take a moment and say, well, people can't vote until they're 18. They can't drink until they're 21. Most states don't allow you to drive until you're 16. Why is it okay for uh, children to be handling guns at, you know, such a young age? Where is the responsibility of that? So um, you, you're worried about drag performers and drag shows being detrimental to children, but you're not worried about a weapon that's going to kill someone. I mean, how many children have accidentally killed their siblings or neighbors playing around with a gun when they shouldn't have even been able to get a hold of a gun. So maybe we need to look at that as detrimental to children and not um, performers who are just trying to, you know, bring a little bit of joy and happiness and laughter into this world. And God knows we can use it. So, I mean, I think what we need to do is we need to contact our representatives at the state and federal levels and tell them how we're feeling about a lot of these proposed bans or censorship on drag performances. And most importantly, I think we need to vote for people who stand for what, what we stand for and we need to be informed. And I think what would be extremely helpful 
is for everybody to get behind the LGBTQ community and um, support these drag performers. If there's a drag show coming in your in your area, go and see it. Um, also, maybe if you are active on social media, you can voice your support in addition to, like I said, um, contacting your state and federal representatives. I think um, we need to show solidarity. And I think um, that's the only way that we can really make our voices, make our intent known to these lawmakers. All right. I hope that you found this episode to be informative as well as inspiring. And I hope that you will take the implications of these proposed laws, which are meant to censor um, drag performers and drag shows um, to heart. Because like I said, if legislators can get away with suppressing this kind of artistic expression, who knows what other freedoms of ours might be next on their agenda? I really just don't know. So I hope you'll take some time to think about it. And I will talk to you next time.